0: of our church Pastor Wes here and I want you to know like I tell you every week I really really miss you guys I want this to be over with I want us to be back in the building together uh, if you joined us today thank you so much uh, for for joining us thank you for spending some time with us uh, we're gonna go over the word and talk about Jesus we're gonna talk about the church we're gonna talk about prayer today um, our church has been praying for the last week and uh, we're gonna do our prayer one more time tonight at 6 p.m. so please join us for that and uh, we're gonna pray together but I thought it'd be really cool that kind of at the end of our week of prayer and fasting to kind of talk about why praying as a church is so important um as you know we've been as a church we've been doing our three pillar series and we said as a church we're going to stop and we're going to spend all of 2020 uh going over the foundation of the church and we believe the foundation of Boulevard Church the foundation of your personal life the foundation of your walk with Jesus can really boil down to three pillars and pillar one is your personal relationship with God Uh, we called that first love and if you haven't listened to any of those yet I'd recommend you go back and listen through it uh, because a lot of what we talk about now that we're in the second pillar is in response to the first now our second pillar is having a relationship with your local church and we've been calling it having a heart for your house, um, and lastly, um, our third pillar is evangelism. Right, that we believe that once you have a close relationship with God, you get close knit and discipled in a community. That the next thing you're supposed to do is begin to reach out to the lost and make disciples of all the nations, right? Uh, But we are still in our second pillar. I can't talk right now. It's the worst. It's the worst. I can't sing because I've been sick lately. Full disclosure, guys. I'm not feeling the best. Uh, But we are going to continue our second pillar, which we're calling a heart for the house. Now, if you weren't here, our first week, uh, we talked about having unity, being unified in love and just... Uh, just that fact that Jesus when he prayed for his church he said I pray that they would be one as God you and I are one that type of close-knitness um, I had a conversation recently with someone where they told me oh that's that's an unfair comparison it's a it, when I asked them, do you feel you're as close with your church as Jesus and the Father are? And he said, I feel like that's an unfair comparison and that's something that's not to be expected. And I said, well, Jesus prayed that and he expected that. It is possible to get so close-knit, to get so united, to be so about your church and about your church family and your friends and so about seeing their growth and praying for each other and standing together uh, that, that a unity forms in that. that's like no family you've ever been a part of before and then pastor thomas last week took that concept and amped it up to the next level when he talked about being loyal loyalty is so crucial i love that he talked about that um because you can't say you're loyal to someone that you're not talking to you can't say you're loyal to someone that you haven't forgiven you can't say you're loyal to someone you don't pray for and you don't want to spend time with. Um, And loyalty in the church is so important. I can't think of anyone who's more qualified to speak on loyalty uh, than Pastor Thomas, and so I'm glad he did. Uh, But now for our third week, as we talk about having a heart for the house, I want to talk about being a praying church. Like I said, we're in the middle of a fast. And we're doing praying together as a church. And I want to tell you why that's significant. I want to tell you why that's important. I want to tell you why if we begin to not just let what we did this week be in this week, but make it become a natural and normal part of our lives, I think you'll see radical shifts, not just in our church, but in many churches. And not just in churches, but in cities and nations and the planet. I almost said planets, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe the aliens need, I'm just kidding. Um, So with that in mind, I'm going to take us to Acts chapter 12, verse 6 to 7. Now, if you've been in this church long enough, you've heard me preach out of a section of scripture before, because I will say easily, this is in my top three favorite sections of scripture. I love it. And every time I have a chance to preach out of it, I pull it out because it's so applicable to so many ways. Um, So I'm going to dive in. Acts chapter 12 verse 6 to 17 I hope you have your Bibles I hope you have your notebooks if you don't have your Bible don't worry it's fine Christina and Amelia brought a Bible for you um it's a big technological Bible and it's going to be as big as your screen is because God is good hallelujah but if you don't have a notebook go get a notebook I tell people all the time I I mean I always forget to bring the verse because off the top of my head I got to prepare for sermons and stuff but if if you take notes, you get a closer seat to Jesus in heaven. It's just in the Bible. It's just how God is, you know? Um, so without further ado, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 12, verse 6 to 17. I'm reading out of the ESV. You can read out of whatever you want. If you want to look at the screen, the screen's reading out of the ESV because uh, God is good and hallelujah. Um, Acts chapter 12, verses 6 to 17. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on the very on that very night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Peter's having a bad day Um, and behold an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell he was he struck Peter on the side and woke him saying get up quickly and the chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him dress yourself and put on your sandals and he did so and he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. Uh, When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, which is really awesome, and they went out and went along one street and immediately The angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people are expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing Standing at the gate and they said to her you are out of your mind but she kept insisting that it was so and they kept saying it is his angel but Peter continued knocking and when they opened they saw him and were amazed uh, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said tell these things to James and to the brothers then he departed and went to another place I'm gonna pray with you guys and then we're gonna talk about Jesus Now we're ready. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Um, God, I thank you that when I pray... It's not just me praying, Father God, but it's it's a community of us coming together and coming to you, Father God. God, I pray for this message to strike the hearts of the people, God, that our hearts would be shifted, our perspectives on prayer would be elevated, Father God, and we would see the importance of speaking with you as a body united in love with a purpose, Father God. I thank you that you're going to teach us through this, Lord, and in Jesus' name I say Amen. Y'all say Amen. Put Amen down in the comments. Amen. Christina, say Amen. Amen. Amelia, say amen. Amen. Jesus, say amen. Don't do it. Um, (laughs) So, um but seriously if you haven't shared this if you guys could share this i would really appreciate it um christina loves when i say that and i forget it most of the time um but have you ever had a bad day right we're reading about peter and he had a bad day but have you ever had a bad day like just think about one of the worst days of your life a day have you ever had a day where something bad happens and then something else bad happens and then something else bad happens, and then something else bad happens, and then you just feel like the day is stacking against you, and the day goes from worse to worse to worse to worse. Um, I feel like it happens all the time, Uh, but there's one time this happened. It's one of those hindsight stories where in hindsight it's funny, but at the time I was so frustrated and angry. Um, Me and my wife, my beautiful wife, and her sister Violina, who attends our church. Hi, Vio, it's good to see you. We're gonna talk about the fact that you murdered a lot of bunnies. So when we, the three of us got into a car and we decided we were going to drive to Washington. And so we drove to Washington and we went along uh, this path. And it is called, literally on my GPS, it was called The Loneliest Road in America. Have you ever watched a scary movie or like a horror movie and you're driving through and, and you see like the town that like, The group of college kids that are about to get murdered by a serial killer, they park at and you're like, yeah, don't go in there. You're going to die. And they go in and they die. So we drove through like eight of those towns and every time i was convinced we're gonna die like every time we drove through because i'm thinking it's me and two girls there's an expectation that i have to be the tough one but this isn't nearly even kind of the case but i still got to pretend because if we die and we get found it's like oh at least he died protecting people like it's it's important right so i'm planning my exit strategies i'm planning survival mode every time we drive through I'm like if our car breaks down right now we're dead like that's just it final answer no survival and we're going and everything's fine until the sun starts to go down So as the sun starts to go down, here's what happens when you go along a road that doesn't have streetlights and doesn't have a lot of traffic. um, Animals, because it gets cold, they start to lay on the cement because the heat is kept in the road longer than the heat is out in the wild. And so what happened can only be uh, called a genocide as Bunny after bunny after bunny just got hit by our car it was it was terrifying and i remember while we were driving i had never ran over or hurt any creature before in my life and so the first rabbit that just literally we're driving and he's on the side of the road comes barreling full speed and jumps underneath our car and just we're like Doof, doo, right right so we're driving bunny down and I remember looking to video because my wife was sleeping in the back and going I think I just killed an animal and I'm like this is my first time killing an animal like I actually felt something by the end of the night I won't be feeling anything anymore just for the record um, and so what happens is as the sun goes down more rabbits start flooding the road this is not a joke this is real life it was like a a crazy movie as we ran over so many rabbits it's terrifying like i can't even express to you i don't know how many rabbits we counted and i hit like 20 something and i just stopped counting i was like i can't do this anymore it's emotional right and so we're driving just hitting rabbits and there was one rabbit that jumped out of the road out of the way pivoted and jumped right back in front of the car. Like, I'm just like, they have a death wish, right? The sun starts to go down and we're going a little bit and we're like, okay, it seems like they're done committing suicide. And I turn on the brights and what I can see on the outside of Barsa Street are rabbits lining the side of the road, waiting to jump in the road. And I'm like, what is happening? And what happened, I can't even explain it, like 10 rabbits at once, all just jumped in front of the car and we hit them all. Not only did we hit them all, we heard something rip underneath the car, the wheel started smoking, and we got sidelined on the side of the road because of these freaking rabbits that kept just jumping in front of our car. So I get out, I circle around, we're looking at the car and we realize underneath my wife's Prius, there used to be, it's not there anymore, there used to be a plastic covering to cover everything underneath. And what happened was half of it ripped and had jabbed into the side of our car. And so we're looking for a way to rip it out and we can't find a way. And my wife randomly pulls out this little pocket knife it's like this big and she's like look we can cut it with this it's like rusted and stuff and so we're like taking shifts cutting this taking literally like 30 to 40 minutes of just cutting it we finally get it rip it out throw the plastic i am so against littering but i was so angry we get back in the car and we start driving and i wish that was the end of the night but it was not and as we kept driving bunnies began to jump in front of our car and get ran over and i'm looking at these rabbits and and before at the beginning of this story i was so sad that rabbits were dying now by the end i'm so angry that i am like, just kill all the rabbits like they need to be gone now like I, i lost all affection for bunnies in this adventure and then one bunny jumped in front of our car at an angle and he got it just right and the part of the plastic that was still in the car he got wedged right in there ripped it off and stabbed into our other wheel and we got sidelined again. I hate bunnies now like I know it's terrible Like I love bunnies at a distance but when I'm driving I I have like non flashbacks now like I just can't handle all the bunnies like that's that's on my hands like the blood of the bunnies and this is kind of a terrible terrible story but this really happened to us and now we're sidelined again because these rabbits won't stop jumping in the road I'm like flashing my lights I'm trying to swerve to avoid them I'm doing everything I can but it's just they're just going in like an army like I can't even express to you how many bunnies we saw in one night. And so we had to sit there again with my wife li- my wife's stupid little knife which I remember when we first started the day she goes When we we were starting to drive, she goes, wait, I forgot something. And she ran upstairs and came back with a little pocket knife. And she's like, oh, we're going to need this. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to need it for? I'm like making jokes. And then here I am with this stupid little pocket knife, hours later, cutting it off, hating every bunny in America, hating everyone in the car, because let's face it, I'm getting more and more frustrated. Again, it's midnight. There's a ton of towns near us, but I'm convinced if we go into them, we're just going to get murdered by a sociopath. I've seen enough horror movies to know that's what happens. And there are no cars. Because it is the world's loneliest road. I think only once the entire drive down that road we saw another car. One time. So we know there's no chance of getting help. We know there's no chance of someone coming to get us. We don't have phone service anymore. And I'm using a rusted, it looks basically a nail file, is what it might as well be. And I'm cutting it off again. And we're ripping, and we're pulling, and I can't do it. And then finally, my wife doesn't like one try, and I'm mad. And so I didn't even like—I wasn't even happy about it. And I was just like, "Vasavia, you're driving the car. I'm going to bed." And I went to bed in the back, and I was just done. I don't think I've ever had a day like that—a um, day where everything keeps piling, and a day where where there is a mass suicide of bunnies. I can only think they were in some kind of cult or something um, because of just the, 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 the passion upon which they were committing suicide in front of my car. Um, but I don't know if you've ever had a bad day like that, but I felt like the day started so good. But by the end of it, I was at the end of my ropes. I was done. I was absolutely irrevocably, I'm done with this. Well, like we said, what we're reading right now with Peter is that Peter is in the middle of one of the worst days of his entire life life and here's why if we get some context to this story peter and hit and james the brother of john one of the three major disciples of jesus are out preaching and evangelizing the crowd turns upon them beats them cuffs them and actually james gets martyred james is the first of the 12 apostles to die and he gets martyred right there in acts chapter 12. peter doesn't get martyred he gets drugged into a jail cell in that jail cell he gets strapped to multiple guards, the main King decides I'm going to kill Peter tomorrow because it's going to make the Jewish people appreciate me more. So Peter having the weight of the death of one of his dearest and closest friends on his mind is now chained and imprisoned after being betrayed by a crowd, probably beaten, thrown into a jail cell, chained to Roman guards with guards outside as well, awaiting his execution. It's a bad day. What I love about that bad day is that we catch, right in that moment, that Peter's sleeping. I don't know what kind of faith it takes to sleep before your execution, but I have a hard time sleeping before I'm preaching a sermon the next day with all the nervousness I have in in me. And he is sleeping. It's almost like a reminder, a throwback back to Jesus sleeping in the boat during the storm. When all the disciples are panicking, Jesus is sleeping. And now Peter, when he has every right to panic... He's sleeping. He has trust in God. And an angel of the Lord shows up, and I know we just read it, and he kicks him. I love the old King James. It says he smote his side. Uh, I don't know what it means when an angel smites your side or smotes it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, But Peter's side was smoted. I I don't don't want my side to ever be smoted, just for the record. Uh, And they take Peter out of the prison and Peter is following this angel by the way he thinks it's a vision Peter thinks he's still in the jail cell Peter assumes he's about to die but God is showing him a vision and Peter is just faithfully following this angel and then when they get out into the road the angel disappears and Peter's only looks around and realizes this is real and so what does he do the first thing he does is think I've got to run to my friends I have to run to my family And what I absolutely love is that when Peter comes running to the door and he knocks, in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, it says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Peter is going through the worst time of his life. The other disciples, the other Christians, they can't help him. And when Peter is at the end of his road, he gets set free and he runs to find the Christians. What does he find? He finds they're already together and they're already praying for him. They're crying out for Peter. They're crying out to God. They're believing that God's going to do something. They're probably praying for James as well. And how beautiful would it be to be a part of a body that when you're going through something, when you stumble upon a situation, you know your church is praying for you here's a beautiful thing while we talk about the church for the next four three and a half months um there will be plenty of opportunities to hear a message and point at everyone else and say well they're not doing it but one person can make a radical change in a body of christ and if you know that people aren't praying for you pray for them And begin to be a body that cries out and prays for each other. I have a vision that we'll be that kind of church that prays for each other. That when someone is going through something, we don't do the Facebook praying for you, little heart, and then go back to your day because you didn't actually pray after you sent that. Or you just say, God bless them, so you feel like you're okay about it. But actually, when you know someone's in need, we get down to our knees and we cry out to God. I love this because when Rhoda comes to the door that Peter's knocking on, it says she's so excited that he's there. She runs away and forgets to open the door. She was so loved, her body of Christ. They were so wrapped up in prayer. They had such affection for each other that when Peter gets to the door, she gets so wrapped up in excitement that she forgets to open the door. Like, that's awesome. That's love. That's genuine. That's affection, right? And how awesome would it be to call someone and say, Hey, I'm really going through this right now? And they go, Yeah, God actually put you on my heart and I'm already praying for you right now. Because that's what Peter just experienced. He didn't need to ask them to pray for him. He found them praying for him. And that's the body of Christ. That is what we do what's so interesting is if we go to galatians chapter 6 verse 2 it says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ now if we look in context that is specifically talking in context about when your brother is stuck in sin right um, but we know that in the new testament as a whole that we're supposed to bear each other's burdens in always. we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice we're supposed to weep with those who weep we're supposed to be personal and prayerful and intentional with each other and what i love is if you go to second corinthians chapter 1 verse 11 paul writes this to the corinthian church you also must help us paul is saying to that church you must help us the apostles who are preaching out in the whole world you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many Do you hear that? Paul is saying his ministry will only be effective if the church comes together and prays. And if I can be honest, I'm really big on predestination. You guys know that. I'm really big on God knows all things. God has a plan. God, he elects. God knows the beginning from the end. And so all these things, and so when we really begin to believe that, I think a byproduct can be we stop seeing the importance of prayer because we just assume that God is just going to handle everything. But Paul specifically says, you've got to help us by prayer. So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul goes out of his way to say that the reason why God makes this ministry so effective is because people are praying for the ministry to be effective. Do you know that your prayers matter? Do you know that when we come together as a church and pray, do you know that that actually does something, that actually shakes something, that actually moves something, that actually draws attention to something? I am absolutely convinced that many Christians don't believe their prayers hold much power. I am convinced they believe that because if you didn't believe that, you would cry out day and night because you would believe your prayers do something. But did you know that Paul wouldn't have been effective if the church didn't pray for him? Did you know that many people would say the reason why the angel showed up and freed Peter was partially because of the prayers of the people in that room? That God wasn't just answering Peter's struggle. He was answering the prayers of a room full of people crying out for Peter's freedom. Can you imagine many of us in this church do you feel like you have a struggle that you can't overcome do you imagine what it would be like if the whole church not only knew about it but was praying with you about it consistently do you think that struggle would last I think some of us think the struggle would still last but I I, again I really want to encourage you with this our prayers hold so much power and when you choose not to pray when you go a day without praying, you're actually in many ways rejecting your opportunity to bring health, to bring breakthrough, to bring peace, to bring freedom to your brothers and sisters in Christ who desperately need your your prayers. I want Boulevard Church to be a church of prayer. I want us to be a house of prayer. I want us to be a place that when someone is broken and lost and they run into the building, they find people that are already praying for them i've heard those stories i have a pastor friend who was struggling he was feeling pain up his arm during a sermon he felt like he was about to have a heart attack right not during a sermon as he was about to go into a sermon and he called his lead intercessor that, that attends his church because he was preaching at another person's church and he called and and when he answered the prayer intercessor answered the phone and said pastor god already told us to pray for you just go preach it, to hear that story, to know that there are people so focused and so dedicated to praying for their body, to see genuine breakthrough, so that a pastor states away, is confident, and already was getting prayer for a situation he was struggling with. We can be that if we choose to do that. And so many people say, Well, God doesn't talk to me like that. He will talk to you like that if you pray like that. You know, why would God come and tell me to pray for someone if I'm not praying for them? He's going to talk to the people that are praying because it's in the place of prayer that god speaks amen i want to give you two quotes as i begin to kind of even already close the sermon down um because we can talk about prayer for so long but really what we need to do is pray (laughs) you know and it's like i said please join us tonight at 6 p.m as we do prayer together and come with a fire on that um but um i got two quotes for you one by william cooper um, or Cowper, or however you say it. I've used this quote many times, but I want to rebring your attention to it. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees satan is absolutely terrified of even the weakest newest most far away from god christian if they understand the power of prayer that actually brings terror to the enemy terror to darkness because our prayers they get answered god when we pray for each other god answers god shows up god listens and i am absolutely convinced that there is a partial part of this that the enemy is absolutely stopping christians from believing the power of their prayer he's going out of his way Going to take your identity from you or some of his, us we take our identity from ourselves he's going out of our way to convince us our prayers don't have power don't have might they're not going to change things but God says it will change things Peter experienced that it changed things and Paul said that his ministry would have no effect unless they prayed for him Satan trembles when you pray the reason why it's so hard for you to pray sometimes is because maybe Satan doesn't want you to pray Or maybe we've just gotten so used to not praying that it's hard to build that habit. But either way, I think it's time for an awakening, for a passion for prayer in the church. All the change you want to see. I hear people complain about churches and complain how things go and things do and it's like, then pray about it. Pray about your body. Don't complain about your body. Cry out to God about your brothers and sisters. Don't gossip about your brothers and sisters. Get together as a community and let's pray for the nation. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for wisdom over Pastor Wes and Pastor Versavia and all of our small group leaders and, and Pastor John and Eric as he's running this outreach program. Let's pray for Tina as she helps get everything set up in the running of the church. Let's pray for Christina as she navigates all of this online stuff. Let's pray for our church and actually see a breakthrough. And I think, I think we'll see a big growth in our church if God sees a big growth of prayer from his people. I'm absolutely convinced about that another prayer um quote on prayer is from ravi zacharias um, which pray for him by the way um ravi zacharias i have absolutely no doubt that if you are a praying christian your faith in god is what is carrying you through both the good times and the hard times however if you are not a praying person you are carrying your faith you are trying to make your faith work apart from your source of power and trying to carry the infinite is very exhausting many christians are exhausted they're tired they're worn out they feel like their faith is dry and weary and i would say the rabbi zacharias gives the perfect answer for that it's because we're not praying if you're not praying but you're trying to be a christian you are carrying the weight of faith and all of its requirements on your own shoulders when the bible says that faith comes from god it says it's a gift from god so go to god and pray about your life pray about your struggles and what you're going through pray for your friends and pray for your church and i think you'll see real radical revival in the people revival always begins and ends in prayer revival always begins and continues in prayer if you want to see fire fall upon a nation if you want to see fire fall upon new Christians and fire fall upon people who've never met God before and suddenly they're desperately hungry for that then you've got to pray for that you have to fast for that you have to be consistent in that and as I close I want to draw one more your attention to one more verse at of 50,000 I could have chosen um, it's in Philippians chapter 1 verse 18 to 21 and I want to tell you uh, this is a section of scripture where Paul is writing from jail And this is where Paul gives his famous quote of to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or is it when he says, "Um, I want to stay with you because it's good for you, but it's better for me to go be with God. Like that whole kind of thing. Um, This is the same section of scripture where he says this. Um, Philippians chapter 1. Oh my God, not 18, verse 18 and 19. It's Philippians chapter 1, just verse 19. I got all the rest of them out. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. In modern Christianese talk, we say, I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to make it through it because God will get me through it. But what does Paul say? He says, because of God and your prayers, I'll get through this. Isn't it interesting that Paul looked at his circumstance and he didn't just say, I'm in prison. The only way I'm going to get set free is if God sets me free. But he says, if God sets me free, and if you pray with me, Isn't it so awesome that Paul puts the weight of our prayers equal to the guiding of the Holy Spirit? Prayer is so important. Read that verse 10 times over and look at Paul. I wanna read it one more time. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. For some of you struggling with addiction, you need Jesus, but you need people praying for you to overcome it. For those of you trying to deal with your pride and your anger issues, it's not just Jesus that's going to get you through it. It's going to be Jesus and a praying church. For those of you that are dealing with whatever you're dealing with, it's not just you alone in a room, just you and God. It's going to be your relationship with God and your relationship with praying Christians that will ultimately bring you deliverance. And what I would say to you is if you're going through something you can't seem to shake it, that maybe it's time to start talking about it. And it's time to start getting prayer about it and being held accountable. And watch as a body circles around you and prays for you. And as God meets you with his spirit and begins to set us free. Amen. Um, like I said, I'll be jumping on for the QA soon. Um, if no one has any questions, I'll probably just pray with you guys. And then we'll be praying for that at six PM. I'm looking forward to it. I love you guys. Um I again, um I could have gone a lot deeper, but how much like how many times can you talk just pray before it's time to disco pray? Here's my prayer for you right now, as a church. I pray that as we meet together in our Q and pray that after that Q and A, every single person in this church would turn it off and go straight to their knees and pray for 20 minutes together as a body. It's a challenge. And then tonight at six, we'll pray together as well. I love you church, you have a blessed day,